Blog Talk Radio. Another absolutely perfect day here in southeast Michigan. Just like last week, cold but sunny, nothing but blue skies. My name is Michael McClure, and I'll be your host on today's episode of Raise the Bar Blog Talk Radio. Today we have yet another exciting show planned for you as we'll be speaking with one of the most prolific members of RE.net, Mr. Sean Carpenter of Coldwell Banker King Thompson in Columbus, Ohio. Many of you will know Sean and he really is super dynamic. He's going to have a lot to share with us. But before we meet Sean and have him tell us about how he loves to, as he phrases it, solve problems and have fun, and I know I forgot one-third of that little triangle of, of uh, phrases that he has, I want to get you caught up on what's happened since our show last week. I'm going to be passing along links to all of these things when I'm done with my brief list, so uh, you don't need to take any notes or anything. I'll give it to you all in one fell swoop. But first I want to mention... Our good friend, friend of the show, Chris Smith, chief evangelist of Inman News, conducted a great webinar recently regarding online reviews. This issue of online reviews keeps coming up over and over. You'll recall last week that I referenced a blog post that I wrote about how 30% of all online reviews of all online reviews are completely fake, according to a study that was performed. And so. This is something that's, that repeatedly comes up. It's something that, that I believe if you haven't embraced, you really need to embrace. So I would, I would invite you to check out that webinar from our friend Chris. Uh, second, I want to continue talking about something we started talking about last week, which I'll summarize as video done right and done with high-quality production value. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Greg Fisher of Fisher Real Estate Services located in Fort Worth, Texas, Greg put out a video which has gotten a lot of attention uh, from some interesting people, uh, and, and I'll summarize the video by calling it a hyper-local, high-production value, neighborhood and testimonial-heavy video. Again, I'm going to uh, include a link to that video, but as so many of us are moving in this direction of understanding how important it is to do video, period, since uh, the studies show that uh, the vast majority of sellers want video, and, and obviously people are searching so much now on YouTube, number two search engine, all that stuff. It's good to have quality examples to look to to see who is doing it right. I think this is another example of that. Third, I want to make quick reference to the fact that we had Mr. Ben Rosales of Agent Genius and agbeat.com on the show last week. And if you missed that show, um, it was it was really one of our most one of our most interesting shows ever, in my opinion. Ben is a super smart, highly opinionated guy, and I don't want to ruin the entertainment value for you, but just check it out and give it a listen and see what you think. I learned a lot from speaking with Ben. Uh, fourth, as I try to do every week, I want to point out a few highlights that occurred from the Raise the Bar Facebook group this past week. Um, just a quick note that if you're not part of that group, it's free, it's open, anyone can join, public, realtors, anyone, vendors. We just want to have open and honest dialogue about the issues that confront the real estate industry today. But I just want to mention three conversations that took place in that group the past week. One deals with the issue of reverse offers. If you don't know what a reverse offer is, it's, as the name implies, it's an opposite of what normally happens in a real estate transaction. In a reverse offer, a seller reaches out and makes an offer to a theoretically interested or actually interested buyer. Lots of uh, diverse opinions on that, whether it's smart or cutting edge or moronic. There's just opinions all over the place. Check that out, please. Uh, another thread I want to mention is I asked the question, in 20 words or less, What's the biggest lesson you've learned in real estate? There were some really interesting answers there as people struggled to try to articulate that in such a, uh, a brief amount of time. In fact, Sean Carpenter, our guest today, weighed in on that thread. And then finally, within the Raise the Bar Group uh, threads, there was a conversation that took place regarding the question of, should you allow an outsider 
to handle your social media efforts. Again, controversial topic. There are lots of diverse opinions. And then finally, regarding the larger group activities, I want to share one quote, which I'm referring to as the comment of the week. In that group, this comes from Roberta Mickelson Murphy, a realtor from San Diego, and she, she said this, If you think it, disclose it. We are the experts, and clients appreciate when we see and point out defects or issues our buyers might have considered or observed. Pardon me, might not have considered or observed. Likewise, we also point out unseen qualities and features of a given property. Someday, this buyer may slash will be a seller, and how they fare in that transaction may be attributed to our guidance. Clients appreciate the candor. And I just want to say that I completely agree with what Roberta said. I think our first job as real estate professionals is to prevent them from making obviously poor decisions. And while I agree with most who would probably say that it's not our job to make the decision for them, I believe that it is our job to point out the things we know they'll eventually figure out and be unhappy with. And there's no quicker way to gain the respect of a client than to show them that you clearly put more priority on protecting them than making a sale. Now, you can check out all the things I just said. They're all condensed in a blog post I wrote on verifiedagent.com slash blog if you want to go back and review Chris's webinar or Greg's video, etc. And then finally, before we bring uh, Sean on in just a few seconds, I want to mention that next Wednesday, one week from today at the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern, we'll be featuring Mr. Eric Brin of Baird and Warner out of Chicago. He's their VP of Digital Innovation and one of the most interesting and dynamic people that I've met in real estate. Has a, he has a really interesting background, including music. Uh, he's an attorney. And he's just a great speaker and a great guy. So please check back with us a week from the day and listen in for that show. So without further ado, I would like to now bring Sean on, and I'll give, I'll give you a really quick uh, thumbnail overview as to who he is, and then he can fill in the blanks because I'm sure I'm going to leave a lot. Sean, can you hear me? I can, Michael. Excellent. So Sean is a guy that I've known for a few years. I, see, I think we connected, and Sean, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we originally connected on Twitter, and we had an exchange, I believe, involving college basketball. And I quickly, um, you know, he and I quickly hit it off and started communicating, and then that led to he actually uh, made a trip up to visit me. He lives in uh, Columbus. I live in suburban Detroit. Actually drove up and spent a couple days uh, helping me with the verified agent business, and Sean is a board member there. And we've just developed this great relationship there are a few people I, I hold in the same regard as I do Sean. Um, in fact, David Marine of Coldwell Banker made a very flattering comment on Twitter today about Sean, about how he was his favorite trainer. And, and Sean is the architect, or at least the partial architect, he'll, he'll tell us more in a minute, of one of the most amazing cultures that I've seen in, in my 20, almost 22 years in real estate um, at Coldwell Banker King Thompson. He's also one of the most prolific bloggers. In fact, I can hardly keep up with the pace at which he publishes posts. So we'll talk to him in a moment about that. But, Sean, is that a fair assessment of who you are? What have I, I'm sure I missed a lot. Would you please tell our audience more about you? I'd be happy to, Michael. And first of all, let me thank you and your listeners for, for inviting me on. And I'm certainly honored at this opportunity. I've been a, a listener of Raise the Bar Radio for a couple of years now, and I, I've always enjoyed the guests that you've had on, and it's, it's always a diverse group, but it's always a, a interesting listen, whether it's live or, or on the podcast. Um, we actually, our initial conversation, I believe, where, where we started chatting was not about college basketball. It was about the Chicago Bulls starting lineups from the uh, from the championship series. Oh, yes. You were, you were talking about who else remembers anybody but Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, and I was throwing in B.J. Armstrong and Brad Sellers and all those all those college greats, and then we started talking, and really that's that's our you know we we had a great relationship for gosh 18 months. It's kind of like your your blog post about meeting for, for you know for the first time in real life online or whatever that title is. Old friends for the first time. Old friends for the first time, and, it's, and we've sort of acted it out in real life, and it's been a been a great relationship. I am the director of training for the. Um, Two companies in, in Ohio, Coal Banker King Thompson, which is in central Ohio, and Coal Banker West Shell, which is our uh, 
company in the greater Cincinnati area. We have one office in northern Kentucky and then eight offices throughout the tri-state area. Um, so I really, really enjoy the opportunity to work with our, our agent and manager populations as well as our staffs of our, of our companies and um, have a chance to, to get out at some other state events and some company events uh, outside the area. Uh, I'm going to be at the uh, Inman Connect con- conference in, in January. So um, try, I try and stay busy between that and, and my home life and my blog. It it's, uh, keeps me going. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, you do such a great job on social media. And if I were going to give five examples of people who do social media exceptionally well in our industry, you would absolutely be on that list. In fact, it's interesting because, you know, if you were to, if I were to give you sort of a Rorschach test, instant, no time to think summary of who I think you are, I would say incredibly positive and upbeat, constantly sharing quality content, constantly engaging people on things outside of real estate that are interesting. I like I I wish there were metrics on this because I'll be willing to bet you that I've commented more on your Facebook posts than any other person in the world. Oh, what I mean by that is I don't mean that I've put more comments on your post than anybody else. I'm saying I have personally put more comments on your post than any other person's post. And it's because right. you're constantly asking great questions. You asked a question the other night about what's your favorite Rush song. You know, it's like, you know, and that's just such a great thing that you do. And I I hate to have the same conversation with every guest that comes on this show, but it just really warrants repeating because it just does. And that is this. Look at how we met. Social media was it. And, you know, it's the old ROI of social media. I look around at the incredible relationships that I've created with people or that they've created with me, whichever. And so many of them trace back to this same source. And I just, you know... I, I say this to the point where I'm sure people are tired of hearing it, but it, it's just so worth it. I mean, I, I know you agree, right? I, I do, and I think anyone who's listening to this agrees in some form or fashion. And I think everybody in any industry, Michael, whether it's real estate or, or anything, has probably had a lot more ROI on, on social media. Maybe it just wasn't called social media when they did it, back when they were active in their country clubs or their kids' schools, their local houses of worship, uh, their local charities and, and events – Technology and, and Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and YouTube, that just gives us a chance to do it quicker and more effectively and more efficiently. So, and across I, I think a much larger population. It, it does. And, and, and I think it, it, the engagement that I enjoy so much about Facebook and Twitter uh, in particular and, and the Facebook posts that I, that I do seem to get a lot of good engagement on, on really generic questions – comes down to my philosophy and I just want to share that you know maybe because that'll I think that'll set up the rest of the the conversation we have um, my philosophy is pretty simple it's 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 just three things it's six simple words it's build relationships solve problems and have fun I really build feel relationships that, is the part that I forgot how ironic yeah, is that <laughs> build relationships solve problems and have fun and I think if you do that every single day regardless of what career you're in if you can build relationships either with somebody new or deepen a relationship you have with somebody if you can solve problems whether that's real estate related problems or anything if i can if i can ever help somebody in some way um, and if i can have fun doing it then that becomes the memorable part that becomes the part that people remember the engagement the experience of buying a house selling a house coming to a class of mine engaging with me on social media you know it's funny i i know your background is a as you know one of your backgrounds is, is a stand-up comedian, and I think when we think of the, the best comedians, the ones we engage the most with, it's when we leave their show or we, we watch their concert on Comedy Central is we say, you know, all they did was talk about stuff that's so obvious in real life. They just they just told it in a funny way. Jerry Seinfeld was right. a master at that. You know, there was, there's nothing to his act other than just bringing to the forefront things that happen to everybody in everyday life. And so a lot of my really engaging Facebook posts are the silliest questions on face value. But, like, I got, I think, 85 comments on do you make your bed in the morning or leave it the way it is. Eighty-five people felt the need to stop what they were doing in their day to chime in about I always make my bed, I leave it the same, you know, uh, of course I make it, sometimes I don't. It's it's amazing. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because um, just – I believe it was this morning or maybe it was last night. There's a a guy local to me here in Metro Detroit uh, named Eric Brown who runs a business called Urbane Media. And I have actually did a little TV show with him a couple years ago. Great guy, knows a lot about social media. And he posted and said, how many people wet their toothbrush, 
then put toothpaste on, and then wet the toothbrush again before brushing. Now, why on earth would I feel so instantly compelled to respond to that, which I actually did. I actually commented on that. And for somebody who, is, who, who thinks you know Facebook and Twitter are kind of a waste of time, my guess is they're laughing out loud at me right now thinking, that is so stupid. Why are we talking about this? Is, I, I, guys- dis- I, I disagree. Let me interrupt you for a second. I think most people listening are right now kind of pantomiming themselves in the morning saying, what do I do? I, I take the toothpaste in my left hand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do turn on the sink first, and then I put it – yes, I do that too. I think they're doing the exact same thing I was just doing, saying, yeah, that, that's a great question on Facebook. I like that one. Well, but you, thank you for making my point for me, which is, of course, <laughs> that it's, it is those, as you said with the Seinfeld example, it's the things that resonate with all of us, the, the common everyday things that that just speak to us in this whole u- human experience. And let's continue this this um, this whole line of conversation into the first sort of broad topic for us to talk about, which is – Content. Mm-hmm. We're already talking about content. Let's just dive deeper. So, you know, you are. I'm trying to think if I know anybody who is more prolific than you, and I actually haven't figured out what your what your blog publishing pattern is. But what it feels like to me is that you're publishing at least two, and oftentimes more than two posts a week. And I consider myself to be pretty prolific. I can't keep up with you. And so, let's talk about. What is your strategy? Do you have one? Um, and what are the places and things that you look to for inspiration on the things that you blog about? Okay, great question. Well, when you say I'm one of the most prolific that you know, I'm guessing you don't know Seth Godin. Then uh, we've talked quite a bit about him. I he's, do, I do, but a, he's not in. He's not in our yeah, industry. He's a, he's a daily blogger. Uh, I, you know, when I first started out blogging, much like anything, you're never sure where it's going to go. Um, but I've just had a really good time with it. it. My blog started as it was called the Realtors Toolbox, Tools, Tips, and Techniques to Build Your Business, and that was my signature class. You know, my my slogan as an agent was nobody knows homes like a carpenter. Um, so I I tied a lot of the the toolbox and the building into my into my my sort of my my angle. My audience, my designed audience was was agents, was managers, um, sharing ideas for sales meetings and for coaching sessions and for workshops and anything that I, that I thought could help agents solve problems. Um, it, it, I started out really with no goal of once a week or twice a week or three times a week. Um, I just said let's let's see where this goes. And, and I think the biggest thing that helped me is anyone that follows my blog or checks it out. It's at carpscorner.net. I changed my name to Carps Corner. Uh, about a year ago, the National Association of Realtors sort of sent me a, a nicely worded, hey, you got to change your name from the word realtor out of your blog. So I, I changed it to Carps Corner, and it, it was kind of neat because it gave me a better opportunity to talk about things not specifically real estate. So I, as a follower of my blog, you know, I sometimes talk about my family, and I talk about the lessons I learned from my late father and, and anything that I see. But the, the biggest moment that kept me consistent which I think most people who've tried blogging struggle with, Michael, is I created what's called the Monday Morning Match. And the Monday Morning Match is a usually a short post, usually short, not always, but usually a short post with a, it could be a quote, a, a quick video, a, 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 just a thought to hopefully maybe light that match in people's week to get them motivated to face the week. A little bit of inspiration to hopefully light their pilot light of motivation. Um, so, so that at least guarantees that I'll post something once a week. So every Sunday I kind of go down to my office at home and I and I come up with what I'm going to write that week. Um, and then that becomes at least one post a week, and then I I go from there. I get inspired by by videos I see, by you know when I teach classes. A lot of times I'll be teaching a class and have a great discussion with agents. And I'll say, you know, it's a shame if that discussion we had today only stays with the five people in the class or the 20 people in the class. Let me share that with my blog readers and my Twitter followers and my Facebook friends, and, and then it kind of goes from there. So I, I, I really I draw from all sources, all areas. I think I read a lot of blogs, and so I get inspired, and I see patterns, and I see uh, routines from other bloggers that I like and don't like, and I try and emulate the ones I like, and I try and avoid the ones I, I don't like. <laughs> well, it's funny because a number of your posts have really resonated and stood out with me. And the number one post that I think of when I think of you um, brought me to tears. I literally cried. And yeah. you know what I'm talking about, right? The one about my dad? Yep. Why don't you describe yeah. it? Well, you know, I, I 
my father passed away very suddenly at the age of 61 um, in in the year 2000, and uh, had a, a massive aneurysm. And 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 um, so you know, I, I think like most people who have lost a, a father or a mother, I don't think you have any idea how much impact they have on you until they're not there. Yep. And um, it's it's kind of kind of interesting. The my father and his father before him, my grandfather. Um, my grandfather was a was a was a salesman, a very very well respected salesman for Clark's and Florsheim shoes. And I had a chance um, when I went off to college and when I was a young man to spend a summer with my grandfather. Um, I never thought I'd ever get into sales, so I didn't really pay much attention to my grandfather's wisdom. My dad was a professor of landscape architecture at The Ohio State University uh, for 29 years, and I didn't have anything to do with landscape architecture, and I frankly thought it was boring as a kid, and I didn't have anything to do with teaching, so I, I didn't really pay much attention to what my dad did and the impact he had on his students. And now that both of my grandfather and my father have passed away, I became a salesperson, and now I teach people how to be salesperson. <laughs> so my grandfather and my father are with me every single day, but two years ago I wrote a blog post, um, and I and I re- released it, or it, you know, it, it, I posted it the day that um, the anniversary of my father passing away, and it was just called Eleven Lessons from Sean's Dad. And it, Michael, it was the most um, responded to, the widest reach of any blog post I've ever written, and I think it goes back to what we said earlier. I think that it was something that everyone can relate to, whether their father's alive or not, uh, because everyone has probably lost someone that, that's special to them. I think um, it, it it was like that that comedian that just makes something step up. And I, I didn't have to dig deep. I didn't have to – I didn't get too corny on my things that my dad learned. I did, I did relate them all to being a salesperson and being a good, a good you know, a good representative to the industry and to um, go out of your way to help people and, and make people excited about what they do. And But it was just amazing the reach I got from people that shared it on to the next person and to the friend. And it had nothing to do with real estate. I got a call from Kenya, Africa, from what? a man who just, who just wanted to introduce himself. He had somehow got it from a friend of a friend of a friend, and he's in real estate in Kenya, Africa. And he said he he, he took time out of his day to call me around the globe just to say thank you, that was a great blog post. Wow. Yeah, very cool. And again, you know, the reach, the the global nature of these things that we do now that, you know, I, I, I'm i so amazed at technology and these things that we, we, many of us, I mean, I can't speak for you, of course, but many of us, I think, take for granted. You know, the fact that that we can get on a Google Hangout like you and I often do and have a face-to-face conversation and it doesn't cost us anything. You know, yeah. I mean, just that little that little, uh, that little example and, again, the fact that someone in Africa can read your blog. In fact, one of my favorite tweets I've ever read that, that related to me was um, I spoke at the uh, RE Tech South Conference two years ago and in my presentation i am i embedded video from matthew shadbolt of the corcoran group and somebody in the audience was you streaming me so i'm on stage in atlanta featuring a video from somebody in manhattan being you streamed by somebody from north carolina and it was being watched by somebody in amsterdam Wow. And the person in Amsterdam said, I'm watching a guy from Detroit on a stage in Atlanta featuring a video about a guy in New York being view streamed by somebody I don't know where they're from, and I'm in Amsterdam. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. That's really neat. And, I, you know, I think the thing that I really like about blogging, it took a while. I mean, I've been blogging for almost four years now. Um, but, you know, I get notified when someone unsubscribes from my blog. I don't get notified when someone subscribes, but I just have it set where I get notified when someone unsubscribes. Because I just and then I, I, I you know I try and send a, just a quick little note to him saying thanks for thanks for at least giving me a try and, and if there's anything I can do to to um, become better let me know and no one ever really takes me up on that offer but I just I, I just want him to say hey thanks for even visiting my store so to speak um, but and I used to get worried about the unsubscribes and that's such a mistake I think for anyone to learn let's not worry about the one negative uh, feedback let's let's remember that there's you know. 500, 1,000 people that are maybe getting a, a pretty good um, a smile from it, a laugh, a, a good idea, um, and the impact of that I think will, will go much further. So it, it's, a, it's a great uh, – I, I just challenge people to, to – you don't have to blog about real estate. You can blog about anything 
but it's amazing the reach you can get and build from it. Absolutely, it's interesting that you do that. Uh, I I don't. I don't do what you do. I don't ever um, – well, one, I actually didn't know you could do that, so I'm admitting my ignorance openly. But I didn't know that you could be uh, notified of an unsubscribe on a blog. And to be honest with you, I, my ego would probably prefer not to know that. <laughs> right. But but I, I laud you for what you do there specifically because, yeah, I mean, that's so classy you know, to thank people who are effectively saying, hey, I'm no longer interested in what you're offering me. But um, my guess is that you probably brought a few people back without even realizing it by just being such a, you know, an above-board, classy kind of a guy, which you so clearly are. So, and it's interesting, too, to to continue what you just said about the topics that people can blog about. Um, Obviously, you're intimately familiar with Jay Thompson, Phoenix real estate guy now, yep. the director of social media for Zillow, who is widely viewed as one of the most, you know, quote, successful and prolific bloggers in the real estate industry ever. And I completely agree with that. And Jay's a great guy, a super smart guy. And we had him on this show back in our first season and very early. And I still remember I, I wrote a extensive blog post about this called Thompson's Top Ten Takeaways, but it was just a list of the advice he had about blogging specifically. And I remember one of the things that he told me um, was that his, I believe it was his most widely read blog post of all time was about um, where to go to watch 4th of July fireworks. And to me, that is really a great illustration of, you know, when people come to me and, and, and to you, which I'm sure they do, and they probably say, you know, Sean, I... It's awesome that you're a great blogger, and I really enjoy your blog, but I could never do that, and, you know, I don't have any good ideas. Well, you know, to to, to write a blog post that simply says, here are the 12 locations around Metro Columbus where there are going to be, you know, fireworks displays. That does not take a great deal of effort or creativity, and yet for Jay, that was one of, if not his, single most um, read blog post of all time. And I think people just need to kind of open up their – their minds, and, and quite frankly, to learn more from people like you in terms of what works, what doesn't work, and, and, and just go from there. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a lot of it. I think Jay does a great job. You know, I, Jay's someone I, I look up to, and I've always respected uh, his blog. I kind of call him the blog father. Um, yes. You know, and I, I think, you know, his blogs, I, I think if you probably laid them all out on the table, 85% of them are, are real estate related in some way. Uh, 10% are um, – well, probably, probably ten percent are let's say city or area related, and five percent are the ones that you remember. They really hit home. Um, family stories, stories about cancer, people that he's had in his life, you know, that have been affected by cancer. Yep. You know, I, I think, that, but that's probably the same in Time Magazine, and that's the same in Sports Illustrated. I mean, every every writer can write a recap of a game, but it's the expose on on. You know, on an athlete who, you know, on a Tim Tebow or on a Chris Spielman or or on someone that did something outside of sports that makes you feel the emotion of the story. And I think that's that's where Carp's Corner, I think, is is fun because I get – I always try and have some sort of real estate tie back in so that someone comes to my blog saying, hey, I thought I came here for some real estate help. But but so, so little of what we do actually has to do with real estate. Totally agree. And it has to do with the people. Yeah, that absolutely, definitely true. And 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 to to take that thought and take it in a slightly different direction, you know, another guy who I think has been exceptionally prolific was Dale, or was and is, and certainly he's still with us, is Dale Chumbly, and his whole 365 things to do in in Vancouver um, uh, thing uh, was really powerful. And uh, I had the privilege of speaking with him a couple times on the Agent Reboot Tour a couple years ago, and I, I remember sharing a stage with him and him saying this, um, people shop for houses or sell their houses once every seven years. They go out to restaurants and bars and parks and movie theaters every day. So think about that, and if you're trying to connect with people, if you're trying to engage with people, if you're trying to build top-of-mind awareness, it only makes sense that you would, almost by sheer logic, that you would want to branch out into things that really, truly 
are beyond the scope of real estate. And I totally understand why in your specific position where you're training people that you probably have a little bit more of an interest in having some tie-in to real estate, and that makes perfect sense to me. But I think for the typical agent on the street, there's a lot to be said for writing posts and creating content that really truly has nothing to do with real estate. Yeah, people need to remember they're not a real estate agent who has kids in school. They have kids in school, oh, yeah, and they do real estate. They're not a real estate agent who goes to church. They go to church, and they're also in real estate. So they can talk about hobbies, interests, local um, local restaurants, local things to do, um, pastimes, family heritage. There's so much you can talk about. And then tie in real estate, and guess what? You're going to get people who have a similar interest to yours. And then when it comes time for them to have a real estate need, they can go to a stranger or they can go to someone who's in their tribe, so to speak. And there's a better chance they're going to go to someone – from their school, from their community, from their house of worship, from their charity, from their gym, then they would go to a stranger. Absolutely. Blogging and, and that, social media is one way to do that. Yep. And I also, you know, an, another uh, facet to this whole dialogue is the whole, you know, don't sell in social media idea, which I happen to be a huge believer in, that, you know, when people are too aggressive and in, in saying, look at me, I'm a realtor, um, you know, I think you do – even just a little bit too much of that, and you can alienate a lot of people. And, you know, we've had, I know you've at least seen them, if not if not been, you know, hugely active participant in within the Raise the Bar Facebook group where we've had these conversations regarding, you know, the posting of listings on Facebook, for instance. Mm-hmm. And actually, you and I have never even talked about this. I really don't know how you feel, but I'll tell you how I feel, and you can you can then give me your two cents. But, you know, I think that you got to be, Really careful with that because I know how I react. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not the typical person because I'm too close to it. But if I see agents posting multiple listings on Facebook, I will block their content. I mean, I don't unfriend them because you know I, do, I think that's a, a bit extreme. But I I stop including their posts in my feed because there's only so many times I'm going to want to see that. There's so much to look at. There's so much to read. There's so much good stuff in there that I've become pretty active in terms of pruning and getting rid of the people that, you know, I hate to use this term, but it's like they're polluting my stream. What's your philosophy on that? Yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I, when I try and teach agents or when we talk about it in conversations, you know, my kind of rule of thumb would be one out of every ten posts um, could be about real estate. But I think there's ways that you can make your posts about real estate but not about real estate. Let me explain that. Um, you know, Think of how much more engaging a post that you'd see in your stream that said, um, excited to work with a new couple moving here from Denver, Colorado. Going to be showing houses in the Plymouth area this afternoon. Where's your favorite spot for a burger in Plymouth? See, what the, post, yeah. what the oh, post I mean, said was, I'm showing houses this afternoon. Don't forget, everybody, I'm in real estate. But what the engagement was, was name a restaurant in Plymouth. And you're going to get 10 or 15 answers saying, you've got to take them here for the bologna sandwich, take them here for lunch, go here for the pizza buffet. And then maybe maybe one person will jump in saying, like, hey, Michael, I need to talk to you. My cousin's moving to town. But think of how you could talk about things, about what you're doing to show your market expertise, your knowledge of the area, um, and and still have a real estate edge to it without saying, I just listed a new house. Or, you know, really excited for, uh, you know, a listing I took last night. Check out the awesome lower level um, done by and tag like the local contractor that did it, you know. Um, and so so it highlights a feature of the house or, or take a picture of the park that's blocks away. Or, you know, I, I think there's ways that you can do it without being, you know, in people's faces Absolutely. about real estate. Absolutely, and I agree with the all that. The same way I and, would do it at a cocktail party. If I was showing houses tonight and someone said, you know, hey, why do you got to leave early? I'd say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I got to meet some clients over in this neck of the woods. Hey, where, where would be a spot that we could stop and have coffee after I, I show them these houses? And they're going to say, oh, there's a Starbucks around the corner. There's a, you know, cup of Joe down the street. Oh, go to this little um, boutique coffee shop. It's in this plaza, you know, and it gets people, once again, solving problems and hopefully having fun doing it. No, that, that's absolutely great advice, and that really is – that's the nuance. That's the nuance between um, gracefully and – and uh, God, I don't know what word to use for it – non-aggressively getting your point across. You know, what I really don't like, and I'll just say it directly, is, you know, check out my new listing at 123 Main Street. 
I just I just don't like that. And I again I think that when you spin it the way you just described that it makes perfect sense. Also, I'll have you know that I have in front of me right now four buckeyes on my desk. Hey, all right. Chalk for real. Like I'm, I'm gonna take a picture of it and send it to you so you know I'm not I'm not lying. So um those are some great tips, Sean, and you know it's you you are an exceptional trainer. I mean that is your reputation. And why don't you um I was going to sort of save this for the for the last, but we're as this happens every show. You know, I look at the clock, and we've got 24 minutes left, and I've got a huge list of things that I'm hoping to get to. So, what what pieces of advice would you have? Let answer this two ways. What are the top three pieces of advice that you would give an agent today? Period. And what are the top three pieces of advice you would give an agent that are technology and or social media oriented? All right. Let's let's talk agents in general. Um, Continue to every single day touch your database. Um, database is a big word. The way I define database is anyone you have contact information for. Inside that, you have what's called a sphere of influence. I define that as I know them and they know me. So everyone in my sphere of influence, Michael, is part of my database, but not everyone in my database is part of my sphere of influence because I may have contact information for my local neighborhood, my gym, my yep. country club. Um, so somehow touch that sphere of influence somehow every day. Um, too many times, you know, if you draw like a target, if you picture like a target or a dartboard, you get the most bang for, for, for your dart by hitting the bullseye. Too many agents, though, if they spread their 200, 300-person database across that dartboard, they start on the outside at the strangers and work their way in each day. They should be starting each day with someone that they have an intimate relationship with, someone that they know, like, and trust them, and work from the bullseye out. And if 5 o'clock hits and they're done for the day and they've gotten through the first two layers of the bullseye, they've hit the most impactful people. And then the next day they start back in the middle and go out again. And maybe that day they get out to the fourth or fifth ring. But, but why spend your time with the strangers to get to the, the stars instead of spending your time with the stars to get to the strangers? Um, so that would be the first one. The second one is um, continually focus on why you're in this business. Uh, it, it is not an easy business. This is a difficult business. I mean, when you really boil it down, it's not easy to have a lot of success in. It, that's why when you have the success, it's that much more rewarding. So continually focus on what you're trying to do each day. And the third one would be remember that there's, there's two things an agent does each day. There's business development and there's business support activities. Most agents will spend their time on business support activities because it's the easy things to do. There's no, there's no rejection involved with, with being on MLS. There's no rejection involved with doing a CMA. There's no rejection involved with social networking and doing paperwork and making fact sheets. But if you don't do business development activities every day by touching your sphere, by dealing with the people that are at the center of the bullseye, there will soon be no business to support. So, you know, really each day... You know, at the end of the day, you say to yourself, did I focus on business development? And it's not as easy as if you say no, you can't say, well, I'll, I'll double it up tomorrow. Because when things get in the way, if it's not planned in your system, that will will really hurt. To your second question, I think you asked more on the on the social media side, like online or, or their image. Is that correct? Yeah, either social or tech, whichever you prefer, or both. Well, I, I think, you know, one of the um, – one of the easiest ways is to you – know, people People like to say, and, and probably you hear this a lot as well, that we're always on social media. You're always on Facebook. You're always on Twitter. In fact, you and I are, are not on there as much as people think we are. We just do a good job of creating um, content that gets good shelf life, so to speak, um, through re- retweets or, or at replies, through comments, through shares. Um, so think about, you know, uh, it, it's not a, I didn't coin this phrase, but if you want to get more engagement on Facebook, end your update statuses with more question marks and not periods. Um, ask more questions. Inquire about something that gets people um, asking. Uh, you know, certainly you should be, this isn't a Facebook class, but you should you should put your people in lists so you can touch base with, with your lists in a little more intimate way. Um, and then I, I think just be who you are offline online those would be those would be three things i think i would, I would say yeah I, I really i agree with all that and i love that last point about you know being authentic which is another way of saying what you just said and it's funny because you know i think i've seen some people i'm sure you have too who you just know because you maybe you know them in real life 
and they put forth a facade online for whatever reason. Um, not necessarily that it's fraudulent or manipulative or really anything negative at all. It's just not who they are. And it's almost like they feel they have to put up some front to be either more more significant looking or more important looking or whatever their motives might be. But I think that's a terrible strategy, one, because it just is, and two, because what happens when you actually run into somebody in real life who has known you online and you suddenly turn out to be different than than you appeared online? Um, you, Danny Deedle, I'm sure you know Danny from Minneapolis, yeah. um, Minnesota's first VPA, he talks a lot about this and how you know social media has really helped him uh, particularly via video. In fact, I want to move in and talk about about video real quickly here. But you know, it's like he just gets on, he just makes video, and this is just Danny. And and what he says has happened, and I totally believe him, is he's he's pulled people toward him who naturally like him, and he's probably repelled some people who don't like him. But so what? They were not going to like him in real life either. Right. So it's like it's like an accelerator of relationships in that regard that you know and let's just move into video and talk about that now because another thing I think another place where you really excel is video. Um I think you make great stuff. You you know again your content in video is you know just as good as your content in in writing. In fact, I might even say it's better. Not that your writing isn't great, but you're just great in video too. And I think about, um, you know, you've, you've been kind enough to make some video for me. And, I mean, I don't know how many videos of yours I have on, on the Verified Agent blog, but it's a lot. And, um, you know, what, what tips do you have? And, and remember the, was his name Buzz? Buzz, yeah, Buzz Thomas. That, yeah, that, that was a great, and that, we'll, we'll get to that one in a minute. But, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts or do you have any quick tips for listeners regarding video particularly for those who are thinking about getting into it, but for whatever reason, they aren't. Yeah, remember, remember when you were a kid, Michael, before we had iPhones and MP3 players and things like that, when you used to have a – your teachers had them in school. It was a square box, and it was a tape recorder. You put the cassette in, then you had the big play button, record button, and you had to hit play and record at the same time to get something to record. Remember yep. those? Yep. And, and you probably had it next to the radio, and you always yep. hoped the DJ wouldn't talk through the beginning of the song because you wanted to record your favorite song. <laughs> and then you would also then record yourself talking to your friends or, or doing a little pretend play. And then when you heard it back, what was your first thought? Man, I sound horrible on tape. Yep. I sound That's different. exactly right. I think that that right there stops so many people from wanting to do video because they think they sound or look different because they've never seen themselves through the camera, so to speak. Um, they've, seen them, they've seen themselves in mirrors. So first of all, don't worry about that part of it. You are going to come across just as good on video as you do in real life. You just have a chance to impact more people through video. So, so don't, 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 get, don't let the self-esteem uh, get in the way of that. I, I think you, know, you and I have, have done enough. That you can do 25 takes, and it probably isn't going to get any better than the first one. Um, you know, obviously it helps if you know what to say. I'm comfortable, so if you just turn the camera on me, I, I at this point, you know, I've been, I've been in the front of the camera enough that I would feel comfortable probably, and and get pretty good content in my first take. If you don't feel that way, then then sketch out a you know a, some bullet points. Some here's some things I want to cover in the video. Um, you know, Kendall Young I think does a great job. You know, some of the she we does. Know, um, and some of the videos she's not in the picture, and some she is. And you know what? If she if she stutters on a word, I think she just lets it go. Because guess what? In real life, she would stutter on the word too. Um, you know, she people are gonna they're gonna recorrect themselves in real life in front of an audience or in front of a client the same way they would in real life. And I think it shows the genuine you. It goes back to the be who you are offline, online. I agree, and and it's interesting. Let, and let's move now into. Um, talking about culture and the culture that you've created at your companies and and let's get there by continuing our little conversation about video okay um and and uh back in i don't know when it was it was august of this year um sean was kind enough to invite me chris smith of inman news katie lance of inman news and jimmy mackin of frugal to uh attend an event called the cb tech summit i believe it was called 
and um, we were invited to come to uh, Columbus, which we all did. And just to sort of give a little backdrop, you know, I had no idea what to expect from this event. Uh, my gut feeling was that it was going to be kind of small scale, kind of modest, kind of, you know, uh, second tier, quite frankly, not because of Sean or because of Colville Bank or anything like that, but, but merely because I was used to these, you know, larger, or I thought, larger conference-type environments. So we go down there, and the night before the event, there were there was a party. And uh, I went to the party, and I met some guy. I don't remember his name, but he was just it was I walked into this room which had been reserved at this hotel where we were this was actually an hour south of Columbus where the event was held and I walk into this room and it's jam packed full of people all of whom are having a drink and having great conversation and it was just so much more than I expected and I ended up meeting all these people some of whom were regular agents some of whom were brokers who ran offices some of whom some of whom were like Joe King. I don't know what Joe's title is, but I think he was kind of the top guy in the whole thing. Very nice guy. Um, and that was just the first of three parties. There was that party, and then there was another party, and then there was a third party, which concluded in Sean's suite, which was this collection of rooms in the hotel, um, which went to like 2 o'clock in the morning. And then the next day was the event, and we roll into the event, and I believe there were over 400 people there. Um, it was I know it was standing room only because there was a whole line of people across the back of this enormous you know, room at this hotel. It was huge. And, and what's, what's most worth noting, in my opinion, is every one of those people, I think, drove at least an hour to get there. Because I think the location was chosen because it was sort of central to the, you know, the geographic range that were covered by this you know, group of, of offices. Right. So that's, sorry for taking so much time to explain that, but I think it's, the point I'm ultimately making here is that the event was amazing. It was it was on a it was on a level and scale and quality that rivaled anything I've seen anywhere. Um, Sean was the guy that ran it, um, did an amazing job, and I've since gone on to pay close attention. And you've gone on to do these other events, like you just had another event down in French Lick, Indiana, which is where my mother's from, and so I know that neck of the woods. <laughs> I spent half my childhood there. Um, it's like you just have created this. I don't know what I mean. What is it? I mean, tell me what's the secret to your culture? Because you have one. It's real. It's big. It's powerful. And it, you know, it, it's not something I've seen too many times in my, again, you know, two plus decades in the industry. Well, thank you, Michael. We're certainly we're proud of what what we're doing here with the Ohio NRT companies in Columbus and Cincinnati. Joe King is our is our company president. He oversees both the Columbus and Cincinnati companies. Um, Joe Reese, who you might have also met, is our I did regional vice president, and he's out of Minnesota. Uh, yep. But but Joe and the senior leadership team uh, of department heads and all of our managers across our 19 offices. Um, you know, I don't think we set out to build a culture. I don't think you set out and say we're going to make a culture be this. It's not like creating chocolate chip cookies where you already know what the ingredients are going to be because, you know, there's always that line on most recipes that says flavor to taste. And I think that's where culture really comes in. And I think what we've done over the last, gosh, I mean, since I've been the director of training seven years and since Joe King, um, I, I think Joe and the senior leadership team, we really we really believe in, in creating the most positive environment for our agents to best serve their customers. Um, you know, when when we think of raising the bar, we say, how can we make sure that we provide the most memorable experience for each customer that we come in contact with? Well, that starts by making sure our agents feel that they have the best tools and systems and training and support um, and technology in place to be able to do that. And so one of the areas that we, we really felt was important was in these educational events, which become motivational, which become... Um, a challenge, um, which become you know people want to attend, um, and it, it puts some pressure on on me and my role to make sure that we're constantly bringing in good speakers and we're constantly making it a a must attend event because what we want to do, Michael, is create what you saw at our summer technology summit where people that miss it know, oh man, I missed a great event where agents go back to the office saying these speakers from Minnesota and and Chicago and 
Detroit and Brooklyn, and you know they were great, and people don't want to miss it. So that that I think adds a lot to it. Our managers at the branch level do a great job of of you know echoing that story to the agents and and showing the value to potential agents and and competitors and say here's the kind of things that we do to help you deliver better service to your to your customers. And I think it always revolves in how can we continually make sure that our agents have the ability to learn new things, to be on the cutting edge, to learn what you and Jimmy and Chris and Katie brought in. And Matthew Ferrara was the year before that, and Stefan Swanepoel came in the year before that, and Amy Sheru the year before that. And so we're, we're constantly looking at not just big names, but people that are bringing value. And, you know, so I think our, our, our culture, as you, as you call it, you know, we never really look at it as a culture from within. People see it from without, and they can see it. They can sense it. They can feel it. Um, and I think that just comes from from saying how can we continually create environments for our associates so they want to be there so that so that they understand that every decision we make is to give them a better opportunity to sell more real estate so that they can do more things with their families and in their lives that they want to do. Well, and and you said that all so beautifully and eloquently, and I think you really understated or undersold your role in this because I know, you know, I know from experience as the, you know, broker owner and founder of a real estate company myself, how hard it is to do what you've done. And it's work. I mean, there's just no shortcut. It is work for you to put together the content. You know, before we came on the air, listeners, I I was asking Sean, uh, you know, just where he was, what he was doing. He happens to be down in Cincinnati. Um, doing some training and he gave me this ridiculous synopsis of what he had been training about. I mean, it was so detailed and so lengthy that, you know, I was expecting like a 20 second answer and I got like a four minute answer. And as I was listening to that, I was thinking, you know, this is why Sean is who he is is because he takes the time and he has either, he's just really gifted at this and, or he's taken the time to perfect his craft or to attempt to perfect his craft in terms of being prepared, in terms of staying current, in terms of being, you know, in terms of building relationships that put him in position to ask the Matthew Ferraras and Chris Smiths and Katie Lances of the world to get on a plane and fly to what they perceive to be perhaps the middle of nowhere um, to put on an event. And, you know, my point is that's, that's a skill set. That's a that's uh that's ours invested in cultivating those relationships and and again not even that but just knowing you know knowing that this person's good about that topic and this is a topic we should cover and I should be training on this that's work so yeah you know I, and I appreciate I, I t- that Michael you know I, I think you know I want to make sure that not only is it a great event for our agents and our managers and our affiliates and our our awesome you know mortgage and title partners that help our agents you know, better serve their customers. But, you know, hopefully you noticed and Michael and Jimmy and or, and, and Chris and Katie and, you know, from the moment you guys landed in Columbus, I want to make sure that it, it's an experience for you as well. Um, you and I had it a was. great night the day before. We got to go to a baseball game here in, in Columbus, Ohio, with our minor league team, and we got to spend some some time, you know, uh, before everybody else came in, we we sat at the Columbus airport waiting for everybody to land, and and then the event the night before, and and then even all, all the way back to you know as your guys' planes took off. I mean, I wanted you guys to have a great experience as well, because that I think reflects on our company, our industry. You know, I, I think that goes to the the big scheme of kind of the title of this Raise the Bar Radio is that if everyone is trying to do the best possible experience for the people that they get to encounter that day. Um, in whatever it is that it, that they do, I think that is only going to help everything. I guess echo. It's kind of the the pay it forward type of mentality. No, and yeah, no. That the experience from start to finish was amazing, and like I said, so much more than I expected. You know, just personally, me and you personally, the time that we had, and how you made me feel. And it's like if you don't invite me back, you know, dude, we're over. I just want to be clear <laughs> about that. You so, got it. <laughs> so um, we have. We have a little over five minutes left, actually uh, a little over six minutes left. I wanted to um, just mention a couple more things that are specific to you. One is um, you wrote, uh, or actually you made a video for me, which is 
when I think back about, you know, the videos that people have contributed to Verified Agent that have been powerful, and there have been many. You know, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of people contribute some amazing stuff. Deborah Trapin comes to mind as one who has, you know, who's provided a lot of great video, as you have. And probably my favorite one that you made is called Your Own Board of Directors. Why don't you take two minutes and summarize that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think... The, the, the concept of your own board of directors is to find that, that group of people, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be three. It could be 10 or 12, 12 people, 20 people that you feel in your sphere of influence. Maybe some of them are past clients. Maybe some of them are family members. But people that I guess the definition would be they want your success almost as much as you want it yourself. What if you reached out to them in 2013 and introduce yourself in, in a letter or a, a video and said, in order to help grow my business in 2013, I've decided to put together a, a group of people that can help me make some good decisions and, and encourage me and guide me uh, and that I can learn from as well. And so I'd like to ask you to be on my board of directors for Sean Carpenter, Inc. And it's not a big commitment for you. Uh, we'll probably get together once a month, maybe once a quarter, however you want to set it up. But I'd like to run my marketing ideas past you. I'd like to show you my marketing flyers, my, you know, any type of commercials I'm doing. And just use that group to sort of say, what do you think? Should I send the 4x6 four four or should I send the 5x7? Should I use this? Should I say this? Uh, what do you think of this sign? And I think when you get some engagement from them and then you challenge that board of directors to say, when you get a great piece of direct mail, when you see a great commercial, when you have a great experience at Starbucks, Panera, Virgin Airlines, Marriott Hotels, tell me about what you thought. Tell me about what you felt. And then you get those people to help you build your business, to make the business decisions that are going to help you better serve your customers. And then those people then start guiding you, and then they all feel responsible to, to think of who do they know because the company they're invested in as a board of directors member is going to return more on their investment if they help it grow. And so those people, I think, become become advocates and become a part of your team out there in the field marketing for you. And I think that's the approach of your own board of directors. It's people you can go back and talk to. And, you know, I'll, I'll just finish it with this. You know, if you talk to 100 people next year and just ask them one thing, if you say, can I just count on you in 2013 to send me one lead? Would that be possible for you to send me one real estate lead this year? Let's say that 75 of them do. And of the 75 that send you a lead, let's say that you get to meet with 37 of those people. And of those 37 people you meet with, 18 of them actually become clients of yours, either buyers or sellers. And let's just say a couple of them fall out of the woodwork, but that's 15 transactions because you asked each person to send you one lead. Now think about this, Michael. If you have 200 or 300 people that you could ask for one lead, imagine what you could do for your career and your families if uh, if that worked. No, that's that's powerful advice, and that was, you know, that's why I wanted you to tell that story because that really impacted me. And, you know, you break it down into such some simple terms that are so easy to understand about the math, um, you know, the sheer math of it in terms of you're just asking everybody to do some simple little task. We know most won't do it. That's okay. We just need some to do it because if some do it, then it all filters down about like you said. So that's uh, that's a powerful story. And then the last thing I wanted to mention before I try to give you 60 seconds to say whatever you want at the end is, when I mentioned Buzz, Buzz was a gentleman that, that I had the pleasure of meeting when I was there in Columbus. Um, I believe it was the day before the event or whenever it was. And um, he just, uh, just an agent who walked in, one of Sean's agents in one of his Columbus offices who walked in, saw Sean in a, sitting in a conference room with me, came into the room, struck up a conversation. I invited him to make a video. He didn't really want to do it. I kind of talked him into it. And basically, I just sort of psychologically prepared him and said, you're going to screw up, you're going to hate it. We're going to do it again. You're going to screw up, you're going to hate that too. We're going to repeat that process, and at some point, you're going to relax, and you're going to make a video that you love. And he kind of laughed and went along with it. And, Sean, I'll finish the story on it because we're running out of time. But he sat and shot that video and did it perfectly the first time. We then showed that video at the event, and I was talking to Jimmy Mackin yesterday about this, and he said, what I remember most about that event, the whole event, was that video you made with that guy named Buzz and how the audience reacted to it. And that was his first try. 
Yeah. And so I think there's that's a, there's a powerful message in there in terms of psych, the psychology of these things. Sean, we have 45 seconds left. They're yours. Say whatever you want. Well, Michael, I, I just I, I can't thank you enough for allowing me the opportunity to come on and chat with you and all the listeners, uh, whether they're live or or on podcast. You know, it's it's the relationships that I've made through you and Deborah Trapin and Terry Conrad and Chris and Katie and Jimmy and Kelly Mitchell and Todd Waller and the people like that that are part of the. You know the the people that I think are the good people helping to raise the bar, and, and the million, and you know the hundreds of hundreds of that I didn't mention. I, I appreciate what you're doing on behalf of all of us. You know we appreciate what you're doing. I encourage the audience to go out and build relationships, solve problems, have fun. Let me leave you with this. I, I, I leave all my classes with this. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, and your life has been lived to the lid, would you rather the last four words that you say be "I wish I had" or "I'm glad I did"? <laughs> Oh, that's great, Sean. And, uh, you know, I, I knew this show was going to be great, and it has been. And I just thank you for being such a wonderful guest, and I look forward to talking to you soon, my friend. Take care, Michael. Talk to you soon. Bye.